You want to know who I am? I'm Vicky. I'm the CEO and founder of Social Vibes Media. In 2017, Leading Woman Entrepreneur awarded me Brand Builder of the Year. That was really exciting. I had the opportunity to meet other women entrepreneurs in the organization, which were awarded from different industries. In 2017 as well, uh, Witham CPA contacted me. I was recognized uh, for their Entrepreneur Strength Story of the Year. And that award was cool because I had the opportunity to go into the Bloomberg headquarters in New York City, recorded promo of my company, and I did the entire tour of the building. So that was a unique experience. I've been fortunate to partner with so many small business organizations, such as the Statewide Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, uh, the Small Business Development Centers, Founders. Uh, I've partnered with Greater Newark Enterprise Corporation and a couple of other organizations I've done several workshops on marketing, branding, digital marketing, how to help small businesses obtain online customers. And it's a unique experience partnering with these organizations because it's what I call like cross-collaboration, in which partnership allows you to grow as a business, but also allows the partner organization to expand their reach to other communities. What's up, Disrupt Nation? So, we have a very, very special guest for you. Um, she is a entrepreneur. She is the owner of a digital agency, and she's just an amazing human being. Um, so, guys, meet Vicky. Hi, guys. <laughs> Vicky, I'm so excited, excited to be with you guys today. So, you're an entrepreneur. You're yeah young female Latina, you're here in northern New Jersey. Yeah. And um, I think you're probably an inspiration whether you know it or not for a lot of young um, Latin women. Awesome. Um, but for the people, for the three people out there that mm -hmm. have been living under a rock that don't know who you are, yeah. um, uh, what's your name, what's your background, yeah, where you yeah, from yeah. and how did you get started? Absolutely. So I'm Vicky. I'm the co-founder of an agency, Social Vibes Media, in Jersey City, New Jersey. Um, in 2017, I was awarded Brand Builder of the Year by Leading Women Entrepreneur. 2017, I also was the award recipient of Entrepreneur Strength Story of the Year by Witham CPA. It was really cool because I got to do a tour of the Bloomberg office in New York City. Wow. It was like dope. It was like so cool. And then I, they had me record like a promo of my business. Uh, in 2016, I joined the first cohort of leaders in Hudson County, which was a county initiative to build leaders within our community. Um, been featured in NJ Biz as a growing woman and minority owned business. My articles have been featured in Huffington Post, CEO Blog Nation, and a couple of other online publications. Yeah, but I'm just, I'm just Vicky. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just Vicky, yeah. So, so we're actually here, we're in uh, your old neighborhood. Yeah, Jersey and City. We were here capturing yeah. some footage. Oh my gosh. Tell us more about this oh neighborhood my gosh. and how it transformed over the years. 
I was sharing with the video crew earlier that I was born and raised in JC, Jersey City native. And back in 86, when my parents purchased a home right on York Street, like Jersey City is not what it is today. Jersey City was a very dirty city, um, homeless infested and just lots of drugs. And it was just like one of those neighborhoods where people were like, you were from Jersey City? Ugh, like that face, yeah, like that cringy face. Like, oh, uh -oh. <laughs> they might like grab their wallets. <laughs> yeah. yeah, something or lock their doors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, we grew up, we were born and raised here, went to uh, high school, Catholic school, right in St. Mary's, uh, walked around these neighborhood streets, and then Jersey City post 9-11 experienced a renaissance. And what the renaissance was, when 9-11 happened, we saw like an influx of, of, of New Yorkers coming into Jersey City and developers buying out buildings, building skyscrapers, condos, apartments, uh, building like communities. And we saw like a complete renaissance and Jersey City transformed into the city where you did not want to be seen in, into the city where it's the it place to be. Nightlife boutiques, restaurants, cultural events, skyscrapers, access to New York City. It was like the place to be. And it's so beautiful to just return to my old neighborhood, come back and see like, wow, Jersey City is still thriving. And my roots, it's not just my roots are here, but I'm still attached to Jersey City. Like my brother-in-law is a Jersey City police officer. My other brother-in-law and his wife own a real estate company in Jersey City. You know, um, our digital agency is headquartered in Jersey City. There are routes to Jersey City that tie me, and that's why I tell everyone, I'm, I'm forever JC. <laughs> I'm, I'm JC. That's awesome. I love yeah. that. Um, so, you know, my mother, she told me that her first apartment was actually not too far from here in Hoboken. Yeah. And that Hoboken was similarly yeah. just... Um, yeah, of it course. was actually the worst place in Hudson County to live. Yep. It was the opposite of what it is now. Totally. And no one uh, really capitalized, I guess, on its proximity to uh, the city and um, and things of that nature. So, what has the shift that you've seen um, in this community meant for the people that live here? Oh, okay. Number one, homeowners more uh, home equity in their homes, so their value of their homes increased. Uh, safer neighborhoods. Um, you know, the place to open up a business, start a business, even like uh, tons of business events happening in downtown Jersey City and the Jersey City area. Uh, what has it meant for the people that live here? In my personal opinion, I love the change. It's an embracing change. It's a change that brings in value to city. Some people are, were somewhat against it in that they felt it was a gentrification happening, pushing out the locals into areas like you know Patterson and other cities but you know for those that have really invested in, in Jersey City and invested not just on a financial level but really on like a, even if it's a cultural level mm -hmm. uh, I think I think it's great I think it's great absolutely so so you were you were born here you were raised here mm -hmm. um, and then you, you had a pretty traditional path starting right you went to college oh my god <laughs> you you worked in corporate yeah. right um yeah. so when god. when did you yeah. take uh the leap and yeah where, where was your mindset shift to i'm gonna work for someone yeah. else to i'm going to start my own business i was sharing with someone earlier that my generation i'm old gen millen i'm 31 <laughs> years old so my generation was um we were cultivated to this mindset to have a very linear mindset like we grew up and we were told at least my parents told me you know, and I'm first generation, you know, my parents were born in Ecuador, migrated into the United States. We were all born and raised here, so we're first gen. 
we were all told you go to school be a good student you know we're investing in private high school you're going to get into a college most of us went through scholarships you know after you're done with college look for a good job have your steady paycheck in a corporation corporate go for your masters it's going to help you get promoted and get more money so we were always taught like this linear mindset and this linear way to live yeah, and find a husband oh my gosh get, get your, your 401k house, make sure you have health insurance get a house buy a dog <laughs> right and then it wasn't until like i found myself working in corporate and my degree meant nothing my degree didn't guarantee my job security my degree didn't uh equate to better pay and then i became frustrated and i became very depressed and i became unmotivated and i became this person who i thought like i did not go to through six years of college, because I did the undergraduate and undergraduate degree, to sit in an office desk in a cubicle and sit there for eight hours. Like, I couldn't sit still. And I realized I was taking way too many bathroom breaks. I was fidgeting <laughs> on my desk. I was looking for any excuse to move. And I'm like, this cannot be life. I don't know. I don't care about severance package. I don't care about building my 401k. I can't do this anymore. Like, I felt like, literally, I felt trapped and super unmotivated. And I told myself, no way. There has to be a better way of living than this this can't be life and so it's actually an epidemic right now yeah um, yeah with automation yeah. and ai and computers yes. even like the word processor we take that for granted there were like rooms and rooms of secretaries with typewriters yeah and that was a thing yeah. before you were able to use microsoft word yeah so all of these automations and technology are replacing jobs and yeah the need for less and less jobs and now there's people like you said that work eight hours and i can get my job done in two hours right now i have to pretend like i'm doing something yeah I'm going, to, I'm going to the copy machine and making <laughs> copies that i don't need or I'm yeah going, like you said going to the water cooler or the bathroom yeah. a hundred times um and you know it's this shift in productivity where the eight hour 40 hour work week almost doesn't make sense anymore mm -hmm. but if you only work two hours you wouldn't be paid enough to survive um, because yeah. we don't, we currently uh, value mostly time right. instead of valuing value, right? right. In two hours, I might be able to create something that's worth thousands of dollars. Well, yeah. So here's my take on that. When I read like books like, you know, and lots of books from more like the four hour workday mm -hmm. and books like self-made entrepreneurs. And there's this whole theory that exists. Like once you go into entrepreneurship, now you can work for two hours to three hours and enjoy time with friends and family. Like. Yeah, How's but that then I learned you, that's Vicky? not the case. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's not the case at all. And I thought, like, wait a minute. I, so I'm getting something wrong, right? So here's the thing. Yeah, like in corporate, you're working the eight-hour work shift, right? And you're forced to sit in a desk, in a cubicle, and look like you're working or actually working. But when you launch your own business, a nonprofit, your entrepreneurship, whatever it is, you may be doing... Um, manual work stuff or computer stuff yeah maybe for three hours straight four hours straight two hours straight but then the rest of the time you're still working because you're networking you're still working you're at an event you're still working you're in a business meeting you're still working you're traveling you're working you're brainstorming with you're other entrepreneurs your you're, you're working obsessed. you become obsessed yeah. so I, I noticed the obsessive behavior that you adapt when you're an entrepreneur the, those are also working hours that you don't realize that they're working hours but they are like there are nights that you go, you're laying in bed and you're thinking about what's the next big project? How am I going to prospect for new customers? Who do I need to partner with? Who am I going to call tomorrow? Who do I need to meet with? Like those are all working hours, but we're working just in a different way. We're working. Well, and that's one of the things that I think the stress and maybe amount of responsibility 
yeah that when you're a business owner or a founder um people don't know like everything is your problem like if the yeah. bathrooms aren't clean in yeah. a, a building that's in another state but yeah. you're responsible for it like that's on you yeah so everything is really your fault and you're um, you're really like a firefighter slash superhero for your company. Yeah. Like you have to come in and save the day regardless yeah. of outside circumstances where when you're working in corporate, there's a there's a hierarchy where you can put your hands right. up and say, oh, it's not my problem. Right. And that's okay. Like if you have the mindset to say, you know, I want to stay in corporate and clock out at five and that's not my problem, that's, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you like symptoms of entrepreneurship, like you fidget a lot in your chair, you know, you begin to think of exit strategies and the way <laughs> which you tell your boss, I'm going to quit. You know, you start to think that you can do your job better than your boss or what your company does. You can do it better. Those are all signs of like, yeah, you might be fit for entrepreneurship. Those are all symptoms. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you start to feel them like, talk pray to your that, doctor, talk to your doctor or maybe pray that those feelings <laughs> go away because it's not easy. <laughs> oh, wow. So now what was the moment where you knew when you were like, you know what, um, I'm tired of living a nine to five. I want to yeah. start a business. Um, it was not a moment, but definitely a phase in my life a couple of years ago, maybe four years ago that I said that like, okay, I need to figure this out. I can't stay here any longer. So what I did is the little money that I had, I was sharing with the guys. I was making 30 K my first job in corporate up mm -hmm. here at Newswire. Like, that's a little bit of money. Like who survives on 30K, right? But I, you know what? I saved enough that I purchased a, my first condo, my first property that I'm renting out now. So it was finding a way to build uh, residual income. Like that's the key. Like figure out a way how to take your current savings and invest it in something that's going to build you some sort of residual income. So when you leave your job and jump into entrepreneurship, there's still uh, some cushion money that you know is coming your way um, and it's coming every month rather than yeah. crap i gotta pay rent i have kids i have a mortgage i can't you know i have to buy groceries like and i'm barely surviving starting my business that, that that's not a way to live either it's scary and people have done it that way and they become successful mm -hmm. but it, it is something that i think that there should be pre-planning pre involved like figure out a way how do you take what you currently have now if you're working a part-time a full-time corporate job and turn that what you have little bit of money into some sort of investment to build yourself that residual income. That's amazing. I love that. So you're working at the nine to five, you're making 30K, but you're saving and you're Yeah, I was saving a lot. You're like planning. Yeah. And you're like, okay, well, how can I create some sort of bubble for myself yes. so that I yeah. can have some residual income? I did. So I did it with the property, a condo. And then I did. I purchased the two family. Yeah, yeah. I purchased it in, in Jersey, Jersey City, City in the Heights. In yeah, the Heights. Wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I did a uh, two family in Bayonne and that was like, that was my cushion, you know? And you're doing this all while working 40 hours. Oh, we work more than 40 <laughs> hours. Uh, corporate, I was doing 40 hours. Then I was teaching college classes at night. Yeah, wow. three times a week. Yeah, so I was saving, 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 saving. But I had the goal in mind, like, I'm gonna bust my ass for one whole year. I'm gonna bust my ass and I'm gonna save as much as I can. And I know like, the only way I knew at the time, there are many ways you can invest, but the only way I knew is like buying property, you know, even if it's a small property, you know, whatever it is, because that means rental income, which means residual income. So, so you quit your job yeah. and you start your own business. And then like, what does your family say? Does your family support the decision to go off on your own? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were pretty cool about it. They're like, okay, if that's what you want to do, you know? <laughs> yeah, they're pretty cool about it. I, I'd say I come from a family's huge support system. So oh, that's yeah. Yeah, sometimes uh, 
people from like stricter cultures yeah they, yeah they look down on that um there's a friend of mine he's actually indian yeah and he's a bitcoin guy like um became very successful with it and he goes to his father and he says father i have a huge accomplishment my portfolio in crypto just surpassed a million dollars i'm a millionaire wow and, and his father says oh that's nice son but you know it's not too late you can still go back to school and be a doctor <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, so, yeah um so it's it's amazing that uh people actually supported you yeah um, you know what well, what about your like friends and colleagues did anyone like no people were it I made mean, sense for you it made sense yeah it made sense but i say one of the things that i wish i knew back then when i started that i that i now know is that like you really just have to once you leave your job you don't have health insurance 401k pension savings so what i did um about a year ago is i connected myself with two financial advisors and i set up brokerage accounts i set up whole life insurance pension plans um ira investments because you know you you don't have that like that corporation that's building your pension everything is your fault everything yeah is your everything problem. is now yeah. falls that responsibility falls on you and you when you start this entrepreneurship journey no one tells you see a financial advisor yeah. like crap i wish i someone told me that you know i i would have taken some of my earnings from what i was making as an entrepreneur or that i was making and then reinvesting it in building those assets yeah. you know and and i didn't do it immediately actually i went into a lot of debt after i left corporate and i started the agency i went into a, and i tapped into my 401k and i maxed out my credit cards like it was scary it was scary and really like the only thing that backed me up were the homes that i had and you know that was an asset that was collateral yeah know? that that you can't be denied and um i think grant cardone says it he says you know the most valuable thing in this world is real, real estate is property yeah yeah and the bank will only give you a loan for that the bank won't give you a loan for your business. No, it, no, I was you know, denied it's a lot, loans. Lot harder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's why I did, I tapped into my 401k. I wish I didn't do that, but lesson learned. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, I mean you 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 made it work. Yeah. So now, um, tell us about your first client. So how how were you able to land your first client, and how long did it take, and what, what yeah what was that like? Yeah. So I had a hard time getting clients. Like, and it's something that all small startups experience, especially consulting uh, agencies and similar to my industry is how do you land your first client and I couldn't figure it out Anthony like I was like crap I can't call myself a social media digital marketing agency if I can even land my first client mm -hmm. so then it became about understanding like the true value of relationship building and connections and partnerships and so I began to connect with organizations like the statewide Hispanic Chamber the Hudson and Hoboken Chamber and a couple of organizations the the SBDC a couple of organizations that really um, supported me and promoted me and would introduce me to decision makers in um, that were my clients my ideal clients and NJCU New Jersey City University was one of my first clients like we did Oh my gosh, six videos for them and on a university level. Yeah, it was huge, huge, huge. It was a huge contracts. And so I landed that those contracts by connections, you know, uh, someone connected me to this person, this person connected me to the marketing director at NGCU at the time. And, you know, I was an NGCU alum, Jersey City Connections, made a good first impression, and we landed our first contract with them. But it wasn't until I really understood the value of connections and partnerships and relationship building, that it, it's really relationship driven and not like product or service, let me shove it down your throat driven. Yeah. Absolutely. 
So uh, over the past few years of running your business, what's like one of the biggest challenges that you faced? What's the biggest challenges? Building a business, running a business. Yeah, I mean, no, running your business. Running like, a business. Real, yeah. yeah, I think it's figuring out um, infrastructure, system, um, you know, client, when something goes wrong, you have an upset client, okay, what is what what could have we fixed on our end or improved on our end? Because then customer acquisition becomes important. It's easier to retain a current client and build on referrals from that current client than it is to acquire a brand new client that doesn't know who you are, you know. So customer acquisition becomes huge. And then scaling the business with my business partner as well, you know, is equally as important. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so I have I have like one more question. Yeah. Or two more questions. Um, so what is one thing that I think you uniquely see um, in this industry yeah. that a lot of people don't get, that they just don't, they don't see? In this industry, in digital marketing? Mm -hmm. um, I think old school marketing was more about building like the prettiest ad and buying the biggest billboard space. And that's no longer the case. I think what we're starting to see a shift in like storytelling and connecting with people on like a very, very not not low level but i say on a very very um accessible platforms it's not the big billboard or the expensive um editorial placement and like vogue magazine like that's not the case anymore you know people are connecting people on a more emotional level and that's you know through social media you know organic videos can connect or perform just as high as like a high expensive 50k video project right yeah almost the the one where he's holding it like a selfie might might work yeah better. yeah exactly exactly that because what i always tell people is people want to connect with people and not logos you know if you can connect with someone and resonate with someone you know that's a potential client prospect partner vendor i think that's what's changing most in our industry it's, it's no longer those pretty billboard ads expensive newspaper placements high-end you know commercial tv commercials that that's no longer the case. So really, there's more value on the on the person's like personal brand, right? Like the person's personal brand actually has a lot of value. The person's personal, like an individual. Yeah, like people yeah. want to know the people behind the company. Like yeah. you see with a lot of websites, right? Yeah. Super simple, the team page. Yeah. Right? Everyone wants the to see the team. They like no know. one wants to see a stock image of the <laughs> team, you know? Like you know that's a like that's a stock. That's yeah. not the team. You know what? <laughs> Like exactly, people want to feel like you're authentic, like you're real, like you're genuine, like you're genuine. And although it may seem invasive, like ooh, that's too much information, or I don't, I'm, I'm a private person, right? Like I think that there's, um, you know, like that you should be able to share some of who you are and who your team is. You know, it's, it's just humanizing you as a company and as a brand. Absolutely. I mean, if you look at people like Steve Jobs, yeah. Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, Jeff Bezos, uh, Elon Musk. These, yeah. these entrepreneurs have become celebrities now, yeah. um, because they're really the face of the company and people don't only buy into the vision anymore of the company as much as they buy into the vision of the founder. Right. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's really insightful. So you work with your clients to help them become personal brands? And things like yeah, that. I'm a huge promoter of brand, brand building, like getting everything set up from your website, your domain, your first name, last name, dot com. I tell people all the time, purchase it because when your name becomes popular search on google other companies that exist like this is true it happened to me other companies will purchase your domain name <laughs> like we had to negotiate from a company that purchased my domain name oh, before wow. i had yeah and when i was searching it at the time i mean no one purchased it who would want to purchase vickilarena.com right <laughs> by the time we were ready to launch the site 
uh, the domaining was already purchased wow. by a company. Yeah, so we negotiated it. Thank God, you know, down to 200 bucks. <laughs> like, it's but crazy. Still, yeah. yeah, but still, like, there are companies that exist that are tracking popularly searched phrases and names and purchase a dot-com version of them. So I heard some of the registrars were actually, you would search it, and then all of a sudden, if you didn't buy it in 24 hours, they would buy it. Um, so maybe that happened to me. Yeah, I don't know. Who, who was the registrar? I forgot. Yeah, I had the guys yeah. in the office helping with that. I think that was a while So back. ridiculous, like, yeah. Uh, it's probably super easy. Did you purchase your domain name? So so mine, I had to get .me. Why so, not .com? So .com was taken. No way. And it was taken by someone that was using it. He wasn't, oh, okay, so I okay. emailed him. Uh, he's oh, like man, a that sucks. So God, oh, yeah. Uh, from California, I think. Okay, okay, but, okay. Uh, but yeah, so, but I have me. Um, it's anthonydelgado.me and my email address is me at anthonydelgado.me so it's fun yeah um, but but no it's super important and when people google you yeah what is coming up people are doing their research they want to know who the founder is behind yeah. the organization yeah and it's also pretty uh, making yourself look bigger than what you are like there are people some like Oh my gosh, I see you everywhere, or you've been popular. Like, I'm really not. Like, yeah. I'm really not. But you give off the impression when Google begins to index so much of your articles, your pictures, your social posts, your websites, your backlinks, your media placements. Now people are searching you. They see a tons of information out there about you that exists. And you're giving off that impression that you are bigger than what you really are. So that is awesome. Like, I found true value in that because it edifies you, and which is great. It edifies the value of your service. Yeah, it positions you as a thought of leader. Of course, yeah. No, absolutely. And you know what? It's actually, if you look traditionally in history, when someone was a celebrity, they weren't like global the way they are now. No. You would have local celebrities. Yeah. So really like the micro-influencers. That's what I was going to say. Now they're called micro-influencers. Yeah. Back then we called them the local celebs. <laughs> like now we call them micro-influencers, yeah. And there's value in micro-influencers. Like micro-influencers have bigger ROIs than, than the mega-influencers yeah. because your micro-influencers are directly connected with your targeted prospects, with your targeted ideal clients. So, Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, that's uh, we just finished our media kit for Disrupt and we go into like the average salary of someone who would watch our programming. Oh, you, what is you it? Uh, 130000 That's freaking awesome. Yeah. So like the tech crowd, the startup crowd, the entrepreneur crowd, they have... Uh, a quarter million or more in investments. Mm -hmm. They may have a net worth of a half million dollars or more, you know what I mean? And that target demographic is more valuable than maybe the person that like shops for sales at Walmart <laughs> or whatever, you know? Yeah, and and yeah. not to say some of the people in category A won't be in category yeah. B, but it's just, it's more focused. Well, think about it, like I think about it this way, like like you say, right, the, the person that shops for sales at Walmart, maybe they're still local, like those are still awesome because those build your like following base. Yeah. And then amongst those are like, you know, your 130K ideal client. So they're watching you as well. But, you know, there's this base that exists that you know that they will never turn into customers, but they follow you because they're your friends or they're locals or they love your stuff. They love your stories, your IG stories, your pictures and your videos. Like they're building your your social platforms. They're commenting, they're sharing, they're laughing, they're LOLing, you know, so that that's awesome, you know. Well, but they get to see you on a daily basis. Right, right exactly. You were only able to do that if you were on television before. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you, like I have the uh, effect that I know people all around the country and even around the world, uh, like, know my face. And right. it's, okay, it's not 
five billion. Right. But there are a lot of people who have listened to podcasts I've been on. That's awesome. Read articles X, Y, and Z. I had a kid reach out from China. Wow. He's interning for us from China. That's freaking he awesome. An email. He's like, I'm in China. I grew up in the Bronx. Get out of um, here. Um, Puerto Rican. I looked oh at your story. God. It's inspirational. What can I do to help? I'm, I'm like on a yeah. uh, study abroad program. Yeah, you have really good stories. So I follow <laughs> you. <laughs> I'm like, oh my Thank gosh, you. I need to learn how to do that. Like, <laughs> like you switch it up. I think that's what people want. Like, they want you to switch it up. They want you to be different. They want you to like be authentic. Be authentic. Yeah. And, and I think authenticity is really a problem in the social influencer space. Yeah. You have, um, like you said, people portraying things that are trying to look better than they are, position themselves in this public manner, mm-hmm. and it it almost leads to bad behavior. It leads to people taking pictures in front of Ferraris. And taking <laughs> yeah. pictures, yeah. Uh, you know. I just um, parked the rental Ferrari over there. <laughs> oh, that's the next. Year. Yeah, yeah, that's the next. Damn, damn, oh, Anthony. We won't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, it's it's true. Yeah, like, people are renting Ferraris, taking pictures in front of cars they don't own. Right. And um, you know, or they'll they'll be in Seaside Heights. I actually saw a, a girl do this um, uh, a few weeks ago. We're in Seaside Heights, and she's like positioning the phone and the angle right. so that it looks like she's in the Bahamas. She's like, okay, I don't want to get this because they're going to know it's the Jersey oh, Shore Boardwalk. Okay. And she took like, this picture and she's like, I'm going to put this filter, hashtag Bahamas. Bahamas. Oh, that's smart. <laughs> yeah, I guess they... <laughs> I, um, yeah. But, so, how do you see us addressing this problem of um, focusing all on image and then yeah. not enough on building your business? Yeah. So it really comes down to like, who are your clients? Like, to me, my clients, I think, could care less if I'm next to a Ferrari and like, or in the Bahamas. I probably wouldn't attract the clients that I want to attract, which are like yeah. corporate clients. So it comes, it comes down to that, understanding your buyer persona, your ideal prospect. What would they like? What, what, are, the, what are the type of stories, posts, articles, content that would appeal to them? That would, that's really what it comes down to. If they really love to see you model on top of Ferraris, awesome. Give them what they want. Really, people have built their brands on content. So figuring out what your buyers want. What are they looking for? Why do they connect with you? And every platform is different. Like IG is great for pretty pictures. LinkedIn's great for article posting. Facebook is, you know, hybrid approach. Snapchat, sharing your day-to-day journey. So it, it really, really, really depends. Very yeah. Good. Well, Vicky, I think we're running low on time. I have one last question. Yeah. What does disrupt mean to you? <laughs> I love you guys. What is disrupt? We were trying to translate disrupt in Spanish. <laughs> so it's like interruption. So we came up with we came up with disrupte. What do we say? Disrupir. And then finally figure out it's interrumpir. Interrumpir. So so if that is the correct translation, interrumpir, disrupt is, I I mean, I follow you guys. I love you guys. Disrupt, I think I see you guys as like an agency that's going to inject itself in a lot of influential events and projects and create like this content that's going to wow people. Like, uh, like, wow, like, why wasn't, why didn't Anthony invite me? Like that, <laughs> that sort of response, like, I need to be there. FOMO. Yeah, exactly. FOMO. Like, <laughs> like, let me know when you're having that next event, you know, like taking something, taking an event that may be like any other event or better and making it seem so cool that you make want, you make people want to attend the next event. Yeah. Like making 
making brands feel like iconic, right? Yeah. Events. Events, yeah. yeah. Brands, people, individuals, like bigger than life. Like I need to connect with him. I need to know who they are. I need to be at that next event. Where are you, Anthony? <laughs> like I had, I've DM'd you. Like where is this? Where are you? <laughs> so you know, and it makes it makes uh, people feel like I want to become involved. Like. I want to become involved. How do I become involved? That that's what disrupt is. Wow, thank you. Yeah, that's uh, that is a, the reception from a lot of people. It's like, how can I get involved? Yeah, I don't even know what you're doing, but like, yeah, exactly. I like, I don't know where you guys are at, but <laughs> <laughs> I want to be there it's like next the time. Army. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh wow, thank you so much. So, so Vicky, for people that want to connect with you, find mm -hmm. you online. Um, what's your website and social yeah, media? Yeah, yeah. So connect you? with me on social media. Uh, social media on LinkedIn on Instagram, on Facebook, Vicky Lorena, that's L-L-E-R-E-N-A, so Vicky, V-I-C-K-Y, and yeah, connect, I love to connect with people. All right, awesome, Vicky, thank you so much for being thank on the show, you. I appreciate Yay. it. Thank <laughs> you, ciao. <laughs> awesome.